0: Welcome to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast, where every week we review each episode of HBO's original television series, Six Feet Under, with your host and licensed funeral director, Victor Rubio.
1: Hello and welcome to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast. I'm your host and licensed funeral director, Victor Rubio. And today we are here to discuss episode 10 of season two titled The Secret. Uh, today we uh, we don't have a guest. We will I will be doing just commentary. Uh, for those who don't know who commentary is, let me start there. Uh, it's basically when you know we're watching the episode and I'm just basically talking over it. Uh, I won't be having actual sound from the episode. It'll just you know I'm violating some copyright issues if I do that. So with that being said, you know, uh, the episode probably won't be as in-depth as prior episodes. You know, I don't have the time to kind of focus on one thing as the episode goes along. It'll be more just me flying off the mouth. Uh, I do have some notes of stuff I wanted to touch upon. But for the most part, it'll just kind of be whatever I see on screen. If it reminds me of something, whether in the funeral business or just kind of like, you know, my take on the show thus far, you know, I'll just be kind of going like that. Uh, A couple things that I wanted to discuss just before we get into the actual episode. Uh, We're drawing close to season three and uh, this making this an open invite to anyone who wants to guest on the show. Uh, You know, I've. Getting guests is exhausting and, you know, you're trying to pair up your time with other times. If you notice, I've had uh, Sean from a prior episode. He's from Australia. He's like a day and a half into the future. Uh, the episode last week, Mohammed, uh, he was, I think, half a day, uh, you know, in the future. So, you know, there's a lot of work that it takes to get two people to pair up. But with that being said, uh, as far in advance I can know ahead of time, if you want to guest on an episode, please let me know. Uh, you know, I like to be inclusive, not exclusive. So uh, right now I have episodes 1, 2, and 4 for Season 3 are taken. Uh, as for the rest, if there's anything out there that, you know, sort of interests you, uh, definitely email me. I'm at digging 6 under at gmail.com. Or, you know, you could hit me up on Twitter. I'm at uh, podcast. And let me know what episode you'd like and we could pair up. Uh, I try to make the process as easy as possible. If you're someone who's been thinking about podcasting or, you know, you just want to get on and have something to share and, you know, share your feelings or thoughts on an episode, uh, I make it as easy as possible. You know, the bare minimum requirement is an internet connection. And, you know, even those headphones that you get with your phone with the mic, you know, right by your mouth, um, that works. Uh, you know, we, we make it work one way or another. So if you're interested, definitely please let me know. And, uh, you know, with that being said, we could kind of jump right into it. Again, like I said, this is kind of be real off the cuff. Again, some 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 notes I want to hit, stuff I want to touch upon. But for the most part, I'll kind of just be... Talking (laughs) in the most literal sense, this is me turning on the mic, flipping on the episode, and you know going through it. Uh, So if you want, you could pause the 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 podcast right now and just sort of pair up with me. Uh, You know, I'll do a little bit of a countdown so we can make sure we're all listening at the same time. If you're someone who doesn't have time to put this on while watching the episode. You know, uh, just follow along. For the most part, if you've seen the episode, you'll remember what I'm talking about. And that's it. So I have everything paired up right now. We're going to be starting from the beginning. So, you know, at the very first, the very first thing we're going to see is the HBO you know, the the screen that comes on with the fuzzy noise and the uh. So right now I'm gonna give a countdown. We're gonna start from three and at one, we're just gonna go ahead and press play. And, you know, we could start. So on the count of three, two, one. And we're live. I think I'm pretty much synced up. And we are at the start of our intro. And, you know, it's kind of funny. You forget how great this intro is sometimes. I remember speaking about it in the pilot episode that I did just speaking about uh, the making of and you know it's pretty crazy how much work goes into it and I remember there was something where they kind of reversed the process where they had the storyboards and everything first then they went ahead with the music and it's pretty great the music it so fits the show you know I don't know if there's much music that could if, you know if you had to sub this out or anything um Probably doing this commentary is a little bit harder than I thought, (laughs) you know, being 30 seconds in, um, you know, watching through it. There's a point here. Yeah, the the embalming tank, uh, the embalming machine, it's actually running just water, which is kind of odd. Uh, There's also, um, I guess, something I skipped over that this episode aired on May 5th, 2002, and is actually was written by Alan Poole. And he actually uh did a commentary on this episode. So, you know, where applicable, I'll add some of his commentary into here. Um You know, the commentaries are kind of funny. It's it's they're not so in-depth, but it's interesting, you know, just to hear their take on it. And Alan Poole was actually the executive producer of the show, so it's kind of one of those, you know, main honchos running uh this episode. Uh, it's funny, our uh, death capsule starts out, and it's probably the simplest one I could remember from six feet under, you know, just a, a, a guy taking out his garbage, and he has a, a heart attack of sorts, you know, and, you know, uh, what's funny about this uh, reminded me, uh, I one time, oof, God, probably five, six years ago, I actually found a dead body, uh, if no one else was home for this guy like he is right now, you know, someone found him and that person has a story. But I was actually out walking one day, found a dead body. If uh, if you head to my website, diggingpodcast.com, and you head to the guest spot that I did on American Slacker, I actually tell the story of how I found a dead body. And uh, I guess I'll Tarantino this story by saying, I actually ended up providing full funeral services for that person I found and their family. And, you know, it was it, it's a pretty crazy story. And it, I just happened to be a funeral director who saw the person, you know. Uh, so definitely, like I said, head over to American Slacker. Uh, you know, that episode is on my website. Definitely go check it out if you're interested in hearing uh, that type of story. But we see here our episode starts out with Claire and she's taking pictures of a deceased in the casket and, you know, Claire's sort of in there for her newfound love of photography. I actually had a friend who wanted to do this and out of respect for the deceased and the funeral home, right? uh, We kind of did the same thing just without a deceased in the casket. Uh, It it came out to be rather rather interesting. I'm someone who doesn't get art. So, you know, when you show me something, I'm just not I'm not artistic enough to understand and appreciate it, but you know it got rather good reviews in whatever world community he was in. Uh, but it's just funny that Claire is kind of doing this. So, and here now with Lisa's pregnancy, we see she is having Nate sign off on some papers that he doesn't have to be uh, responsible for the child or something. Uh, it, it it's funny like Nate's going to say in a little bit that. This is so uh, informal. This is so business. And, you know, Lisa has some comment of, you know, what's more formal than a baby or whatever. Uh, Me, personally, I don't know if I could sign away my rights. I don't know. You know, you get into the whole muddy area there. But Lisa being Lisa and, you know, we're going to about to see a lot more of her. Um, Yeah, that's kind of her. You know, something that's funny about Keith's place is it's so nice. You know, they got the, the, just a beautiful place. And I, I wonder if that's what you could afford in Los Angeles on a police cop salary. Um, you know, you have to give the show some liberties. And that's something I, I always say just to not be so nitpicky, even though this is a podcast talking about the show. I just always wondered, you know, Keith's place is so goddamn nice. I just wonder how he affords that. But, you know, he is a single dude. Um So, you know, no kids I guess, you know, Taylor That we'll see in this episode I don't know how to deal with this uh, dead space And it's probably not as entertaining For a podcast But Something uh, before uh, Lisa had said that A dead body looks so perfect Um you know what's funny about that is that's that's a comment I seem... Actually, just to make sure we're all on the same page, Lisa says the dead body comment right now, and it's just put something in my notes. But, uh, you know, Lisa's like, this body looks so perfect, I just kind of want to mess up her hair. And that's kind of like a... Uh, what's the word? Something negative about us female directors that, you know, when, when we go ahead and dress them and we put them in the casket and, and the makeup and everything... We make them look so perfect. Their their creases in their suits. There, everything looks so mint. At least you know we try to make it as perfect as possible. That, that's not how someone is. Just you know how you go to work and everything, and just you know even when you're sleeping, everything's not perfect. But there's sort of the the idea that it looks fake. Uh, people I've had in the prep room. It's funny. That's that's always always one of the first things they say is. The, the bodies look fake because they are so perfect there's you know we try to remove as many imperfections as possible their their features and when i say their features their eyes their mouth everything's closed just perfect you know we try to make them look as lifelike as possible and they kind of look like wax figures you know and that's something that y- you wouldn't think walking into a room you know i'm, I'm trying to trying to bring it to the the, the most raw Uh, way of saying a dead body right in a room full of dead bodies you would never think that they all look fake and like wax figures you know but it's definitely um, something interesting if you've never been in a prep room Ruth and Nikolai here (laughs) I love Ruth something on this rewatch where I'm I have to nitpick everything and I'm really dissecting it Uh, I just love Ruth, she's so so adorable, and how she's just trying to connect with everyone, and and her journey, and just Francis Conroy, I mean, probably the the most amazing uh, job of acting on this show to me, and it's just great how she kind of bounces off Nikolai, or anyone, any of her her love interests, you know, well, we see here Nikolai is, (laughs) we sort of get the idea he's sort of fed up with uh, just, you know, being taken care of, and I would assume, as adorable as I find Ruth and how everything, she probably drives him absolutely crazy. And the fact that he can't move probably even drives him more crazy. Just the idea that you need to get out, you know. Uh, Here we have Nate planning the funeral for our person in the death capsule. And something here where I'm just kind of flying off. I didn't do my research of the gentleman's name. But, you know, they're here. You could see Nate has no idea how to plan a Buddhist funeral. I've never done a Buddhist funeral. I've been with other funeral directors who have done a Buddhist funeral. Um, so if I if the, I had this family, I would kind of lean on them. And we'll get to like some of the parts of it later on in the episode when you know they have the funeral. The, there's something coming up here. Nate just talking with the family by himself. And yes, here it is. Uh, we hear David come in just barges into the funeral home and explains something about how he stayed up late watching a movie and something that bugged me was like being a funeral director and this is Fisher funeral home. So this is David's funeral home. You would never barge in the front door of your own funeral home and just be yelling out what you did. There's always a family inside. There's always something going on and to just barge in and (laughs) just, you know, there's probably a family there. Not the smartest thing. But again, it's that thing you always have to give the show its liberties. I do love, though, that David kind of goes from talking about his personal life straight to funeral director. And he's good at it. You know, that's really funny that he could kind of turn that switch on and off. And we walk into Nikolai's place here. Uh, Ruth is here to... Drop him off, and we'll see a little bit later he's here She's here to clean up. I'm not sure if the the Russians that uh Ruth is concerned with is ever comes back as a story point. I'm not too sure of that. <laughs> it's funny, nikolai thanks, but no thanks on your help. I'm sorry if this if the dead space in between me talking is is not is not filling the space it's just doing this commentary is a little bit harder than I thought, but I hope I'll keep it somewhat entertaining that you hear in the background is my ice maker that I try to mute out on every episode, but fortunately didn't work here. That's the way Nikolai's place looks exactly the, what I pictured. Like, if you made me create it, it would look something just like this sloppy and just more, not morbid, dull. Uh, here, Claire is in the photo developing room. Uh, what uh, part of my notes that I had here, and again, I didn't do much research for this episode. So, uh, something that I always wanted to know is what's the fluid that they develop pictures in? It kind of looks like water. Um, I just always wondered what, well, I guess what that process is, does the the water bring out something in there? You know, if you're a (laughs) photographer, if you're a photographer, I had Muhammad on a prior episode, maybe I should have asked him, but I also imagine too, that these are, this is a rather old method of doing this. I wonder if this method of, of developing pictures is still, uh, intact to this day. I just don't know how to deal with the dead space when I'm just kind of watching and talking so (laughs) my apologies (laughs) I do love that the the, the room is red you know that's kind of the the room is red and here we have all the pictures that Claire is against obviously we'll see later against the Fisher's will of all the dead people that's so disrespectful to all the families you know and she has all of there's so many here (laughs) she's just developing them (laughs) I wish people at Claire's age could see how little it matters what college or whatever you go to. I have to imagine today in 2017, it means less than it ever has. You know, back when I was in college, so you're talking 2003-ish, um, I felt like that started to matter less. I think on my SATs, I think at that time, it was 1,600. It was the highest score. And I think I took it twice. I think the first time I got like a 900. The second time, I was so prepared. I was so studied because I wanted to get, I think, a (laughs) thousand. You know, I really shoot for the stars. And I think I did lower. I think I got like an 830. Which is maybe why I'm a funeral director now. Uh, Here we see Brenda. She goes to see a therapist. And uh, there's two things here. That's why my mind's scrambling. Okay, so one. Uh, the actress who plays Brenda's therapist. It's actually funny, and it's something I've always wanted to talk about. She is actually, she plays the the female lead in A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, uh, Freddy Krueger. Uh, I believe it was called Freddy's Revenge. And just something that's funny about this is uh, this podcast, I imagine, this, po- this this show, rather, I imagine touches people in the gay community just because it's kind of one of the forefront shows on on you know, network television that was this large, I imagine David Fisher was, you know, one of the first characters to be like that, to correlate that to A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, it's so funny, if you've ever seen the movie, it is, uh, let me set it up, so A Nightmare on Elm Street 1 came out, 1984, I believe, and it just was such a hit, the the idea of that kind of movie, and it kind of, you know, it spurned, God, I think 11 future movies, uh, so they put a second one into production really fast and it was really poorly done uh, if you know the nightmare on elm street timeline one is great two is laughable three it kind of climbs back to greatness once they realize what they get so this second movie of a nightmare on elm street it's so funny cuz the subtle the uh, there's such underlying gay tendencies in that movie And there's a lot of like Freddy Krueger, I don't want to spoil it, but Freddy Krueger essentially wants to be inside a guy. And it's just so funny watching it, how, how? so there's commentary, right? And I'm a big, obviously I'm a big commentary person. And it's funny, he's the the, the director and the writer of of that movie was just kind of like, we didn't know it at the time, but yeah, now when you look back that this movie is so gay. And he says it wasn't intentional. I don't believe him. I mean, there's literally a scene where balls are flying at uh, Jesse, which is the guy Freddy Krueger's kind of haunting or whatnot. Um, Just if if, if you're someone who's interested in that kind of stuff, uh, it's a total movie that you could put on and laugh with your friends. It's not scary at all. Uh, I I became a huge Freddy Krueger fan and and just all all the, the, the culture around it. I mean, he even released a music album. When I say him, you know, the, the character. Uh, so definitely uh, check out A Nightmare on Elm Street 2. It's one of my favorite movies because of how laughable it is. Uh, and, and the soundtrack's great too. <laughs> um, but actually to get back to our episode, right? Uh, it's amazing Brenda being, seeing a therapist here. You know, it's kind of like, like I have written here. It's like a clusterfuck of a chess match. Brenda's trying to kind of outwit the therapist so she can rationalize what she's doing. Um, you know, it, it's funny, like you see, like every time Lisa writes something down, Brenda rolls her eyes, you know, she's, she's overpowering the therapist. So she could kind of say, see, it's okay what I'm doing. Um, uh, I also like the added touch of Brenda, not knowing that this was a sex therapist, you know, Melissa, just kind of just sent her off and she kind of finds out during it that it was a sex therapist because even Melissa thinks she's a little too out of hand. David and Nate here pulling out the Buddha statue. <laughs> David's David being so morbid, seeing the statue and saying, I wonder if anyone's ever poked out their eye. Oh, you know what's funny here? Uh, David says that uh, this is a closet where they have all the cremated remains. Uh, If you're a funeral director, if you've been in a funeral home, uh, you know that you have a wall or a cabinet that's locked up that contains ashes, cremated remains rather of people from years ago. Uh, We have cremated remains at the funeral home, God, dating back to the 70s, just people who've never picked them up. Uh, There's a whole procedure behind it. You know, uh, the funeral home can dispose of it after a certain amount of time. You are allowed to bury or scatter it. You know, each each county, I'm not even going to say state, each county has its own rules. Uh, what to do with the ashes. Um, but yeah, just there, there, there's that old school funeral mentality where you just kind of hold on to it forever because at some point, maybe someone, the son or the grandson will come to the funeral home looking for the cremated remains. And while you can dispose of them by law and be free from any, you know, uh, um, suing or anything like that it's just something you always kind of hold like maybe i'll just hold on to it just in case you know i love how nate says uh being in love is maybe doing stuff you don't want to do (laughs) next scene they show up there at margaret's uh something here i picked up from the commentary and what's funny here is i'm commenting on the commentary on my commentary um but yeah the drinks she makes it's this green with this sort of Kind of like pit from a pit from a fruit in the middle. Uh, the director intentionally made the drink look disgusting because it's gonna show up in a scene later on in the dream scene. Kind of just make it so gross. It's just something that sticks out, and that's kind of how dreams are. I always say, I keep always say on every episode that there's a dream scene. That six feet under does dreams great. Just randomness picked out from your day fit into one episode or one dream rather. Again, sorry, I don't know how to deal with the the deadness. I'm sort of watching and trying to comment as I go on. So Bernard, uh, Brenda's father comes back into the picture. I couldn't imagine being in a relationship with Margaret. I think she would mind fuck me 17 different ways every day with every comment. I don't know how any man could stand her. I guess, furthermore, Brenda, too, right? God, just how awkward would it be sitting there with your in-laws and they're talking about how incredible their sex life is. Something this show just does great, just put you in those situations. Wow, look at that! The uh, Bernard was actually one of Margaret's patients. I wonder if there's a a law that's being broken there. Dating your the therapist dating a client. <laughs> Margaret's laugh is so goddamn creepy. It's a, it's a great laugh, but. When I hear it, I just think, there, God, there's something so diabolical going on behind there. Brenda's pissed, pissed look. God, when you have Brenda and Margaret talking on screen, it's like I said... Uh, an episode or two ago the two of them is just one big mind fuck their conversations are so so fired f- you know if I put if I lit a match between them I feel like the fucking world would explode I love that Margaret knows how normal Nate is and how not normal Brenda is telling her get the f- you know get your shit together because you're going to ruin it with a decent man and it's funny how Nate is a decent man in, in this world of six feet under. You know, we have here, this is the scene where where, where uh, Michael C. Hall, David's in bed, and, and he kind of just says about how he's afraid to bring anything up because Keith kind of always yells at him. And I can understand, you know, I could see it what David's saying, how Keith is just kind of short temper and whatnot. Uh, You know, it's something I always wondered. Michael C. Hall plays David Fisher. Plays great, you know, just sort of a neurotic funeral director. He's a great funeral director, like I said in that earlier scene, where he just kind of turns it on. Um, But you know what's so funny I always thought about? He looks so different in, in the role he plays of Dexter a few years later. Like I know they're the same person, but he just looks different. I don't know if it's because he's pale, if he loses a little weight, or maybe always having the suit on, maybe just looks a little bit more muscular. Maybe it's the hair, you know, just how, how professional, how, how Boy Scout the hair looks. But just when I see him in Dexter, it's like, wow, this is such a different person from the character he played in Six Feet Under. Something I always wonder too, I guess. Let me throw that out there to people to wonder: Is uh, I don't know. I guess there's three ways to look at it. Is Michael C. Hall, or or Dexter, or David Fisher, are they attractive? Is he an attractive person? I always got I always got different ends of the spectrum. You know, I got Dexter's hot. David Fisher is 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 just a person. I kind of have no feeling one way or another. Um, this is something I've always been interested in. Nate kind of walks down to the prep room and he hears a kid laughing. I would shit my pants if I was walking towards the prep room and I heard a kid laughing. But we see here Rico is playing with his son in the prep room, which, again, giving the show its liberties, why would you play with your son in the prep room? You see the kind of look Nate gives towards Rico and his son. Just kind of adoring and processing the idea of having a son or child rather. You know, it's funny here. Rico asked Nate to take care of the body, but Nate can't have him do it. And I've never seen someone so allergic to work like Nate is. And it's funny in this episode too. I got to stop saying it's funny. Uh, Rico, all of a sudden, the 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 child is such a uh, a hindrance on his work, and of course, it's for the episode where Nate is holding up uh, what to do about having a child. Yeah, exactly, Rico. I don't see you doing anything. <laughs> I love that. I have to clean Buddha. The next scene is uh, Nate and Rico's son cleaning Buddha. Uh, fun little fact that that child that nate is cleaning buddha with is actually uh freddie rodriguez's son kind of cool when you have a connection like that on the show i love that a little kid my dad knows everything probably knows less than anyone that goes for any father i would assume The scene here when Nikolai is watching TV and Ruth sort of barges in uh, from the commentary and intentionally shows the son and the mother in a picture frame. And we're going to see later as Ruth cleans up, that picture is also intentionally put down. Just, you know, Ruth kind of trying to impart her way into Nikolai's life. Nikolai, I don't need my house to sound like fake lemons. <laughs> Love the way Ruth introduces stuff. Isn't this fun? A surprise sleepover. Nikolai can't even process the idea of having wallpaper or contact paper in his drawers. It's funny, that's stuff that you need a woman's touch with, you know, there's a reason why you have to decorate it, 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 the place feels nicer, it's more presentable. Here we see Claire gets an F for her project in English class. Two things about this. One, why would she give in art for an English class as a project? And why would you be surprised when you get an F? I understand trying to make a statement, make that statement and take that F and, you know, then, then rail against him. But second, I find it totally weird that Claire handed in a picture. And it's funny too like everyone knows Claire Fisher is the daughter of Fisher Funeral Home. So it's funny like how did the teacher not say anything like how what are you doing taking pictures of dead people and and handing it in as a project? Like these are people in our community. We know these people. Uh what are you doing taking pictures of Mandian as a project, you know? I just can't believe they didn't kind of touch upon that. But it, they will get to it later. I love Keith just bullying his way through a relationship, you know, we're going to eat lunch with Carla and Taylor on Saturday, 3 o'clock. Not, hey, are you free Thursday because Carla and Taylor are coming over. Just Keith always trying to have, you know, always full power over, over any situation in his life. <laughs> but then he just kind of shits all over it where... You know, David's complaining, hey, you got to ask me before you do these things. And he's like, well, fine. Are you free Saturday? Yes. <laughs> Something I don't know if everyone knows about kind of the Six Feet Under Law lore or or the just kind of like the stuff surrounding it, but Melissa here, this actress actually died, being that this is her last episode, she kind of, you know, Brenda swears her off, uh, she actually died, you know, within a year after filming this, she had something similar to Nate's AVM in real life, and just kind of creepy, um, am I gonna say she's a great actress, no, I'm not, I'm not from the six feet under, you know, uh, production crew or anything so I don't have to say everything's great but I think she was very suitable for the role, you know, she plays a prostitute but she's not, you know I love having sex all the time she has a very, I imagine a very realistic take on a, a high end escort just, it's a job, it's it's fun to do and, you know, it's just something to earn money, And like she said in a prior episode yeah, if I could do anything else I would, but this is kind of my forte and this is how I earn money um, I think she was very suitable for the role and I think she does play it great. Um, but yeah, rather sad that she, you know, kind of dies. It's creepy, you know, watching these episodes knowing she's dying rather shortly from here. You know, it's funny, too, from the commentary that every single scene with Brenda and Melissa, they're always drinking They're always just trying to take themselves out out of reality just a little bit. Back to Nikolai's place, uh, Ruth has all cleaned up. And what's funny to me is Nikolai's place cleaned up doesn't look that much different from when it was messy before. Now, like I said, that that picture of that family is intentionally gone. Ruth putting it away, trying to impart her way into Nikolai's life. It's crazy to think, too, that Nikolai is actually Irish. He plays Russian so well. Ruth trying to get Nikolai to move in with him. And Nikolai, one of these rare moments in television where they say the most obvious things ever instead of, why don't we, whatever. Nikolai's like, we haven't even talked about this. What are you talking about? I love that too, Nikolai. I got to stop saying I love that. That's such a this episode. The Digging 6 Feet under podcast where Victor talks about things he loves. What I really really like with a heart on it but not exactly loving um Nikolai saying I love you and Ruth already know that something bad's coming. Look at that in the calendar. It says February 2002. They shot this two months before release. Hmm. When Ruth is gone, the Fishers have cereal because they have no one there to make them dinner. <laughs> oh, God. And they're drinking water with cereal. Seems like such an odd combination. Water in glasses, rather, not water in the cereal. They're not that criminally insane. Nate here finds Claire's little photo album. And again, always giving the show its liberties. Why would Claire just have that out? She knows. Be the beginning of the episode, Claire Claire hears someone come in, so she kind of hides her camera. She knows that this will uh, rile them up. Absolutely hilarious and six feet under humor here when Nate's going through the book and he's like, oh, my God, this is Mr. Smith. Oh, my God, this is Mr. whatever. God, this is Mr. Vasquez. And David, you know, sees, oh, this is Mr. Give me a fake name. This is Mr. Sonic. God, he looks so good. Rico did such a good job. (laughs) It's really funny stuff from David. Nate isn't really mad at Claire for taking these pictures. He's just kind of frustrated what's going on with life right now. This scene here where Carla kills or hits, I'm not sure if we know, yeah, no, he actually does die later in the episode, where Carla hits this homeless man, I feel like a lesser quality written show would have made this death the opening scene, you know, this would have been the death capsule, but, you know, and I guess sort of the point too, make it a, uh, make it like a mystery if she gets caught or not, but. Six feet under, it just kind of happens, you know, right in the middle out of nowhere. This poor Taylor. God, just what a great... Her, I'll say, she's a great child actress. I don't think I've ever seen her anything since then. But absolutely a great, great actress here. Here, uh, Taylor. Claire and Parker looking at the, uh, the whatever, some bogus name they give a California community college and on the commentary he said that they tried to find the most dull, uneventful empty part of the college you know to just really dig in like what what a drag this is for Claire Parker says she can make Claire can make some extra money being a phone sex operator which makes me wonder I wonder how the phone sex industry is doing I wonder if that's still up there, if they're still, you know, $1.99, $900 numbers. <laughs> have a funny touch at the end where Claire uh, Parker takes the number for the phone sex operator. Going back to the prior episode, I still don't know exactly what Carla is on, what kind of drugs she's taking. I don't think they, I don't know if they ever explicitly say it, but I know she's addicted. Going back to that too, I have in my notes here something about David Spade. How was David Spade ever a thing? I didn't know he was ever funny he I always felt like he was just someone there to kind of make fun of, but I guess if you're making into a six feet six feet under episode there's there's something there. Man, again, Taylor, this actress is so great. I imagine they they say she's nine on the show. She looked a little big to be nine. I imagine she's somewhere in the 12-year-old range. But, man, she's great. My apologies if I'm not explaining the scenes well and I'm just kind of running through it. Keith here, complaining about how late Carla is. Uh, on the commentary, they said that uh, Keith's apartment, they kind of moved the door around. Uh, how each show, you know, if you ever see behind the scenes of anything or the way they shoot these shows, you know, they kind of have a studio and something they'll just kind of move the walls around to to shoot scenes. And they said that uh, Keith's the door here, where he lets Carla in, kind of moves to make it easier in later seasons. It's a little behind the scenes stuff. But here, uh, Carla and Taylor come in and, you know, it's funny, you see Carla and David and, I'm sorry, Carla and Keith in the background, and as soon as Taylor walks in, she runs to David, sort of, you know, just get me away from the, the, what's Keith's last name on the show? Keith Patrick? I think that's his name in real life. Get me away from the Keith and Taylor family. Keith and Carla, geez, this is what recording live sounds like, people. I love how I don't know what the word is suburban how 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 David looks. And I guess to me that's his unattractiveness. You know, he's just wearing this shirt tucked into his dad jeans. I had a yeah, never mind. <laughs> that's that stuff stuff that enters your mind and you have to weigh whether or not you could tell it on the show. If I was David, I would have definitely believed Taylor here where she's jumping on the bed and she's like, my mother hit someone. Just put on that serious face and it's like, nope, just kidding. And we have Brenda and Melissa show up to the sex party. Uh, Do sex parties? I don't know if I want to open this window, but is sex party still a thing? There's something that the show dates itself. And again, I don't know if this sex party is dating itself, but... Uh, is phone sex operating a thing? Is David Spade still a thing in two thousand seventeen? And are these sex parties? I imagine they are. So with with uh, ever becoming a faster community society, where Tinder and everything, um, you see Brenda. Brenda is so excited to be here. You could feel her aroused, and I don't mean sexually aroused, just like a uh, aroused to be. She, she she her her senses are heightened. She's in a in an event she wants to be at. And Melissa couldn't be any more bored. During the commentary, they had said how, or rather Alan Poole had said how, you know, there's a lot of extras in this scene. I'm looking right now and there's eight, ten, ten extras in the scene and half of them are naked, half of them aren't. Uh, They said shooting this was rather tough because the extras were very willing to to go ahead and and act before, you know, while they're setting up their shop that they kind of had to go around to people like, you know, hey, please put on your clothes. Uh, Please don't 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 start until we say Um, that's probably funny stuff and funny to be around. I love when David gets amped up like he is here about, uh, you know, hey, listen, Taylor said this, but maybe she was just joking. Let's just relax about it. Let's go to bed. And Keith says, you know, why didn't you tell me earlier? David just kind of flips out. Because you fucking mad about the coffee stain. Shut up about it already. You know, I love when David gets to snap like that. This episode should really be called Things Victor Loves in Six Feet Under. So here we get the dream scene of... <laughs> Nate's aborted uh, a sex life or, or whatever. Uh, so creepy. You know, this sweet little girl and she's... Remember me? You tried to have me killed. You had me killed. You know, Six Feet Under and Sopranos do the best dreams in my opinion. Like I was saying earlier, just the randomness of stuff kind of gets plucked where... You know, you're walking by your day and, and you just have like a green pen for whatever reason. And it's something you don't ever even think of. And if it's never get brought up again in your life, you would never think about it. But that green pen will make it in your dream. And I think Six Feet Under Sopranos always does that best. And like we'll see here, uh, that green drink earlier from Margaret's with, with the, the nasty pit in it and just it being green uh, shows up in Nate's dream here. If you are someone who is pro-life, or, or how do I say this the right way? If you wanted a brutal commercial for for promoting pro-life, I imagine something like this would do wonders. I guess that's kind of on my mind because uh, this Kendall Jenner or or King Kylie Jenner uh, Pepsi ad just came out, commercial rather, and you know the the amount of levels that that commercial had to go through, amount of people. You know, there wasn't just one person who signed off on that. There were layers, layers, layers of people. How did they not know that that there was going to be backlash against it? But I imagine, too, that they wanted this backlash because everyone's... Look at me. I'm fucking someone who doesn't care about that stuff. And now here I am talking about it on a Six Feet Under podcast commentary. Fuck, they won. And we see here that Keith... Found out that uh, there was a dead man on the same street that that Taylor said, and you know we'll see what happens with that in a little bit. I hope this episode was somewhat entertaining for you guys. It was a little bit harder to fill in the dead spots than I thought it would be. I brought up Kendall Jenner for Christ's sake in a Pepsi commercial. love it so dated i bought this vibrator online at a sex website 2002 sorry my mind's thinking about the internet in 2002 i guess AOL was a big part of that right too you sign on and check mail and you get your AIM message there's a a sleek slick little setup that this couple has where they're they're talking with Brenda you know to go look for for something and yeah she's going to go look for it you know why don't we go join her <laughs> this isn't this isn't quality content at all i'm just laughing watching the screen But here, uh, the guy, you know, like you said, he kind of tricks, not tricks, says, you know, to Brenda, hey, why don't we go help her look for that thing, which is, you know, an invitation for a threesome for the three of them, which, I mean, how out of control is Brenda at this point? And to think this is, what, a few hours before her uh, bridal shower, it's pretty intense. So here we are at the uh, Buddhist funeral, and Nate makes a comment about how... You know, someone just threw a twenty in the casket. Um, a lot of these traditions are rather true. They did consult a a Buddhist funeral, a monk rather, uh, regarding these these situations and scenarios. Um, there's a lot of that. the the The, the monks are big tippers, and but it's kind of like a, a sign. There's this thing, if you know about it, it's called red envelopes, and they they're very generous. They're very appreciative of your work. Claire has a little freak out here about the family taking pictures of the deceased. You know, kind of, why can't they do it? I mean, first of all, that's not your fucking family. And secondly, uh, I've noticed uh, Asian and Caribbean cultures uh, come to think of it, actually, most cultures besides American uh, take pictures of the deceased, which even though I I am Spanish, um, you know, I grew up uh, father from Guatemala, mother from Spain. I, I grew up americanized quote-unquote uh it is more common that that other cultures kind of take pictures of the deceased uh someone like the asian culture uh they take pictures with the deceased it's kind of a thing you know and like i always say to think about it: a funeral is an event and you know you kind of want to remember it while it may not be the best thing to remember people do do it you know This thing with the, the hands in the water and, uh, you know, to, to cleanse them of their, their life. Uh, I've never seen this, but I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I imagine it does. This thing here with the monks, on the commentary, they said they had brought in these monks to do the chanting. Once they found out this was for commercial use, which, you know, the, on the commentary sort of skipped about how they didn't know that. Uh, they got other monks to come in and do the chant and kind of just dub these guys uh, these things about the oranges he says take some for the prep room I don't know what that's about uh, if you do know out if you if you're out there and you do know what these oranges signify and why David wants to take one for the prep room or why he can't get one from the supermarket uh definitely let me know digging six feet at gmail.com or digging podcast on Twitter So here we are at the bridal shower for Brenda and she's here talking with Ruth and we see here that kind of Brenda barges in after a night of sex and drugs uh, before her her, her wedding and she kind of has this conversation here with Ruth at first where... She's just kind of telling her how her night went. She has this new vibrator and how it stimulates her and the threesome she had. And she kind of has these raccoon eyes. It didn't seem that much of a dream to me. Like, I don't know if this makes sense. I was more surprised it was a dream than it was real. I don't think it's coming out the right way. I found it completely believable for Brenda to be doing this in her current state of mind. You know? But, you know, we get the fake out that it was just something in her head and... Brenda's laughing. So we see here after that that Brenda explaining her night was just you know sort of in Brenda's head. Uh, Ruth here just kind of really unloads emotionally unloads on Brenda about how much she appreciates and and uh, idolizes Brenda, and it just kind of tears through uh, uh, Brenda's. Brenda's soul about how how bad she, of a person she is for what she's doing but uh, on on Ruth's front you know she's kind of opening up to anyone she can just sort of trying to connect with anyone after Nikolai just trying to get some connection you know Brenda can doesn't even know how to do it how to how to take this compliment huh the punch is orange I wonder if that has to do anything with the oranges from the scene before Ruth being ever so motherly Claire is a little tired a little sick being so sick and tired of everything at age 17, the lies were fed and the bullshit we're supposed to care about. I was not this aware of, of life at 17. Maybe that's why she's a great character. She She's mature beyond her years, but also rather immature, if that makes sense, you know. And something that My apologies. Something that is great about Six Feet Under, when when we take two characters and that would have never otherwise met, and it's odd to think that Brenda's father and Nate's mother would have taken this long to meet, but they meet, and... It's so funny. Bernard is so comfortable in his own skin, and <laughs> Ruth is so uncomfortable in her own skin, and she's rather timid where Bernard is just... here, You know, like I said, uh, Bernard's here in his robe, and... Ruth is, you know, all dressed up. Uh, Here he comments about how depressed, you know, how depressed Claire is, and he's just kind of, you know, how is he so quick to categorize her? How does he not know she's just depressed? Margaret did say it earlier too, right? Where she's just like, you know, are you always this pale, or are you just miserable? This sequence here where the chants start, uh, the chants start monking, the monks start chanting is eerily beautiful. We get, you know, like a little montage and and things sort of move forward. Just the chanting is is really well done. And, you know, we get this nice little montage where Nate staring at the casket, just sort of envisioning what his future may or may not be like. Uh, We see Carla get arrested and Keith walks her outside. I wonder if Keith blames himself for letting this happen, because now someone is dead. You know, before it was, man, what a, what a bad mother you are, but now someone's dead. That, that's a different level of everything. Ruth kind of looking outside at the bridal party, the bridal shower, rather, and, and Brenda looks on as Bernard and Melissa are, are laughing it up, and Brenda, of course, not gonna take any accountability, is gonna lash out at Melissa. Again, Carla's such a good act uh Taylor's such a good actress. David comes home with, with her stuff that she's now gonna have to live with Keith and the way she gives David that stare of how disappointed she is in probably everything in life, you know. I'd almost imagine that David is one of the most secure, stable things in Taylor's life. And Nate pouring out this water of cleanse. Uh, at the oldest tree in the Fisher home sort of glances over and sees the the kids from the dream before just creepy but beautiful with the chanting and everything. Really well done. That's probably my favorite montage of the show thus far. Nate. Brenda here breaks up with Melissa and I am with Melissa where she's just like hey listen you don't have to explain why you're ending this just thank you best of luck to you and brenda just needs to unload all this about how bad of an influence she is and just what a way to not take any accountability for what you've done fucking melissa wasn't the one hey go have a threesome or anything brenda was just kind of living off vibing off herself she would you know each each almost like drugs right where each hit she took she just oh my god i want more i want more it started out with a I don't know how it started out there. It started out with a hand job during a session. You know, that just kept growing to the fact she's having a threesome, then, you know, a few hours before her uh, bridal shower. But I I love the end scene here where, and I got to stop saying I love that, uh, Melissa's, you know, hey, when you realize what an asshole you are and, you know, you kind of want to make up for everything, you can save the I'm sorry Nate here, uh, realizing he wants, not realizing that, he's come to, I do want to be a part of this child's life, and I'm going to be a part of this child's life. And Lisa's so happy, and really funny quote from Lisa is, you know, I'm having a child with the person I thought least in the world I'd ever do this with. Almost kind of makes me want a a, a Nate Fisher prequel to the show, (laughs) you know, the, the college years of sorts. It's a great quote. Is this you wanting to be a father for someone or are you scared of death? I know. Does it matter which one it is? (laughs) I I'd imagine so. You know, uh, dating and, you know, the question, do you want kids? And it's sort of like, I like kids. I could be, you know, I could be a parent. The question should be, do you want to be a mother or do you want to be a father? Not do you like kids? Because how do I say this without sounding so brash? There are times you will not, like your child, just because of the stress it puts on you, and just the, the difficulties of being a parent, but it's wanting to be a father or wanting to be a, a mother, a child, uh, a parent to that child that, you know, kind of keeps everything going, all those sleepless nights, um, I think that should be the question, you know, do you want to be a parent, instead of, you know, do you want to have kids, they are the same thing, but if that makes sense, they're they, they, are, they are, one question means more than the other, uh, but here, we find that Nate has not told Brenda about this yet. And that kind of flips Lisa and understandably. So like, like, what are you going to fucking hide this child from Brenda? Although I think there would have been more, let's work on a plan to tell Brenda or maybe Brenda at this point in your life, if you're going to be a father, even if me and you are not going to work out, meaning me and Lisa, Nate and Lisa, uh, you know, let's handle that together or whatnot. I don't know. I've never had a child, so I couldn't imagine how I would handle something like this. Is that the end of our episode? That is the end of our episode. Wow, look at that. And that brings us to the end of our episode. Uh, I hope I made it somewhat interesting for you. My apologies for the uh, the, the the dead spots, doing a commentary. Uh, usually you have the backing of what we're actually watching, you know, just to sort of know where we are. But uh, copyright issues does not allow me to have that, you know, during a a podcast. But uh, thank you for listening. Um, I I enjoyed this episode. Probably my, my most favorite thing from it was the chanting. You know, that was a really just beautiful montage. And sort of pieces moved a little bit, but, you know, we'll see, you know, we have three more episodes left in the season to sort of see uh, how that wraps up. Uh, thank you for joining me. Uh, I am on Twitter, like I've been saying, at Digging Podcast. And I'm. you could always shoot me an email. I'm at digging6feetunder at gmail.com. I've received some really nice emails during the week. Uh, someone wants to guest on an episode, and I was so just happy to hear that. I thrive off of people letting me know they enjoy the podcast uh it's funny like you think this podcast you release it and you think you get this huge interaction it's just kind of i've been listening to the podcast my entire life and i don't think i've ever emailed into a show so it's funny now i just i do have one person who does email into the show every week and uh he will be guesting on two episodes coming up david green and it's funny like his emails really drive me doing the show uh So I wanna thank him personally on the air for that. Uh, You don't have to send an email to thank me. Uh, It's always appreciated, but you know, it's not necessary. But I do want to open the floor if you do want to guest on on, uh, anything from season three. Like I said, we have episodes one, three, and four taken. After that, uh, it's first come, first serve, depending when you're listening to this episode. Uh, I already gave out my Twitter, my email. Uh, Always you can check out this website at diggingpodcast.com and you can join me next week as I'll be discussing episode 11 of season two titled The Liar the the Whore with David Green. Uh, thank you for listening, everyone.
0: Thank you for listening to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast. Join us on the next episode as we review each episode of HBO's original television series, Six Feet Under. Please search and subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes under Digging Six Feet Under. To see what to say. The Digging Six Feet Under podcast is in no way affiliated with HBO or Six Feet Under, and the views expressed here are solely that of the hosts. No infringement is intended.